0: This episode is sponsored by the HBAR Foundation and Bullish. Stay tuned for more information about both of them later in the episode. What's up, everybody? I'm Scott Melker, and this is the Wolf of All Streets podcast, where twice a week I talk to your favorite personalities from the worlds of Bitcoin trading, finance, music, art, politics, sports, basically anyone with a good story to tell. Now, one thing people don't talk about very often is that The success of a cryptocurrency and many companies is really based on one specific thing, and that is the community, right? We like to think that we're in it for the tech or for the price, but generally it's that strong community that drives the price of a cryptocurrency, drives the success of a coin or a company. Well, today I have a guest who's a master at building those communities. He's worked with companies like TikTok, WeWork, Reddit, NASCAR, FedEx, and now is focused largely on Web3. We're lucky to have him here, I would say. Greg Eisenberg, welcome to the show. I can't wait to uh, talk about Web3 and community building with you.
1: Thanks for having me, man. And wow, what an intro.
0: Yeah, well, it's true though, right? And I don't know how you originally got into it, but it feels to me like, especially now as NFTs and Web3 are starting to become more popular, it's really how many people are excited about it and feel that, you know, inherent draw towards the project that really drives the success. Would you say that's true?
1: Oh, 100%. And when I look at actually like some of the most successful web entrepreneurs it's interesting to see how, how nerdy they are, if you think about it. Like these are, the, these are the kids who are killing it in RuneScape, you know, crushing it in World of Warcraft into like the weirdest stuff. And because they've learned those dynamics of like niche communities, um, you know they they're kind of equipped. They're the best equipped. The, be- the yeah, the people who are best equipped um, for Web three are are the nerds who who are spending a lot of time playing video games.
0: That's well, Revenge of the Nerds in real life. Yeah, <laughs> movie, exactly. movie from our childhood. So, so why are they then able? I mean, what is it about the experience of playing those video games that makes them so adept at building these communities?
1: Well, I think it's, I th- I think it's a few things. So it's the dynamics around um, earning digital assets, um, buying and selling. Um, I actually used to... I, I don't even talk about this publicly, but I actually used to play professional Counter-Strike. Like, wow. Um, as a kid. And Counter-Strike, for those of you listening, I'm sure a bunch of you have played... Um, You basically, it's this five versus five game. You earn skins that you can customize uh, your skins. Um, There were, you know, secondary marketplaces where people were earning these skins and buying and selling it. And the entire ecosystem uh, from the professional standpoint was based on um, a protocol called IRC, which is basically a precursor to Discord. So if you think about it, it sounds pretty similar to how... um, certainly the NFT and DAO community space works. You have buying and selling and trading. You have uh, teams and hierarchies that exist. So for example, like I was on a team, there were certain like VIP people in my chat. It was this goal to bring as many people into the chat as possible um, and build community. Um, And we did things like creating merch, uh, all that sort of stuff, these community building tactics um, that I think just, yeah, equipped us pretty well.
0: How rich would you be right now if you could have actually done play to earn Counter-Strike in the same way that it exists on, say, Axie Infinity or these games that we're seeing in development now? If those skins that you had won had had real world value and utility.
1: I mean, richer than I am maybe today. You know, I think uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where if you log on to a video game, you don't want to see how long you've played. You know, sometimes some video games is like, you've been playing for 128 days and, you know, think in the future, you'll look at that as like a badge of honor because, you know, you'll see how many many digital assets, um, you know, what real life consequences of earning those digital assets. But yeah, I mean, back in the day, we were just earning it for fun, which is cool, too. But I still think that there's a place for, you know, uh, play to earn as well.
0: Yeah, but my feeling is that with play to earn, we're going to have a legitimate uh, transfer of wealth to talented teenagers who are very good at video games.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think um, I'm excited about the next wave of play to earn games. You know, I think the the play to earn games today are are early um, and really early. I'm sure you've, you've played around with some of them um, and I'm sure some of the people in the audience have too. But I think um, I'm excited for the, you know, the day when, you know, we get a Counter-Strike level game, but it's play to earn and we're just yeah. not there yet.
0: I I agree. But I think, you know, that I guess you can take the half glass half full or glass half empty approach with that. I mean, Axie Infinity, I always joke, it's sort of like playing with Tamagotchi or something, right? And in the 90s, it's the the earliest iteration of a game, there's nothing particularly great about the game. But because you can make money in it, people are finding a way and they're spending their lives doing it. So you sort of made the exact point I always make imagine if that's like Fortnite, right? And it's actually entertaining to play and you would want to spend your time doing it, it's incredible, the potential for earning there.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, it's so obvious we're going in this direction. Um, It's interesting to see the uh, backlash, though, this recent backlash of gamers um, around NFTs. And I'm curious, you know, I'm sure you've seen what happened with Ubisoft um, when they kind of put out this video that they said that they're going to build some stuff on Tezos, And then there was this massive, like, I don't know, 25,000 people disliked the YouTube video in like a day. Um, You know, where do you think that's coming from, that sort of uh, resistance to NFTs um, from some, some of the bigger gaming companies?
0: I'm not quite sure. Maybe it's because it's the centralized versus decentralized argument. The same people who would love to live in, you know in the metaverse in the sandbox or Decentraland that would never spend their time in, you know, Facebook's metaverse. Uh, And maybe it feels like it's a cash grab from those bigger companies, but I can't tell you exactly why there's that feeling. But I was going to ask you something very similar, which is Web3 itself has sort of become a four letter word, right? Right. Uh, Amongst certain communities. So why do you think that there's sort of that strange bipolarity uh, between absolute hate and love for the concepts of what's potentially coming?
1: There's this really good uh, Andy Warhol quote I, I like around Studio 54, which is Studio 54 is a dictatorship at the door, but a democracy on the dance floor, and that's what I really think Web3 is in some ways. Uh, um, explain that a little bit. So yes, Web3. The beauty about Web3 is it's community based. You can be global. Um, you know, you can you can buy into it. You can contribute to a community. Um, but what's happened is some of these communities have, you know, you look at Cool Cats, for example, the, that NFT community, I think floor price is, you know, 50 grand. You look at Gary Vee's project, you know, the floor price is 50 grand. Um, you know, some of these DAOs um, are getting really popular and it's hard to, you know, get noticed. So I think um, a lot of people, uh, you know, outside the ecosystem have seen their friends get wealthy from this whole rush. And they, and they honestly just, I think a lot of people feel like they're um, just out of it. And I think we as like leaders in the web three space need to do, well, I'll speak for myself. I I think I want to, you know, I want to do a better job at being more open to people who want to come in, teach them, provide more education um, because it really doesn't need to be like an us versus them situation. Like I want, you know, I want it to be, um, if it's us versus them, it's us versus the big platforms. Right. You know, it's not like, you know, the internet users against each other.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because that implies that people feel like they're already late and they've missed it, right? right. And, and uh, which, by the way, in crypto, I think is everyone's feeling at whatever point they come in. Right. I came yeah. in in 2016 and bought Bitcoin for the first time, and I so mad that I didn't buy it in 2013. Those guys were mad they didn't buy it in 2010 and, and so on and so forth. But DAOs, NFTs, Metaverse, I mean, we're in like the first 1% of the first percent of the first inning, right? So why would yep. people feel like they're already late and already be hating on this when there's plenty of time for them to start engaging with it?
1: I think uh, it reminds me, um, I think in 2004, I went to my first fish show, uh, Fish the Band. Um, and in uh, Saratoga Springs, New York, in upstate New York, and I drove. I drove there. I get there, and I get to the campsite, and the vibe was basically like fish is done, like <laughs> you missed fish. I'm like, you're, you know, like it's, embar- you know, like fifty percent of the people were just like, oh, you know, back in '99 and '98, '97, this show in Vermont, like, and I felt bad going initially a little bit because. Um, I was like, wow, it's am I getting like the Disney world version of fish like is this not the real version of fish? And I think that's the same you know thing that people feel today with web3, which is like there's you know crypto is in the news every single day um, on major major publications. Um, and I think because of that and just all the stories that come out of it um, people just feel like it's 2004 uh, you know fish and I think like now i spoke to some you know fish heads actually over the last couple of weeks and now they're talking about how 2004 was like the good old days um so super interesting that's just human nature i don't blame them for thinking that way
0: yeah it is human nature i mean i'm 45 years old and i'm already the old man who talks about how good music was when i was in high school and college and how bad it is now right and and, and our parents did the exact same thing and that will exist into perpetuity, I would imagine. The other side of Web3 being sort of a four-letter word or, you know, being controversial is the VC side, right, The that Jack has been sort of railing about on Twitter. Elon Musk has been a bit dis, dismissive of it. But basically the idea that, you know, venture capital is making all the money on Web3 and that, you know, the... The last sort of drops are falling into retail's mouth, where we can earn a bit of a uh, profit after the VCs have already gotten fat. Do Do you think that that's a fair assessment?
1: It, it couldn't be more unfair as a, as an assessment. Like I think um, it's too bad that that narrative is is being spread um, because it's just certainly like you, you know it's not true. Um, I think uh, biology has like put out some some of the data around it. Uh, um, and yeah i think like what we need to do is just sort of approach these stories and narratives and and just put out the data like it's not it's just certainly not true um you know do vcs make money on 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 you know protocols like solana where you know they got in really early like absolutely but at the same time like they took a lot of risk when you know people weren't willing to you know put the money in um and uh, it's still a largely community-owned pl- uh, protocol, um, and yeah, I just I don't think uh, we would be and Solana would be where it is today without the help of some of those VCs.
0: Yeah, I mean, I you know I've had Kyle Samani on the show very very recently, and I know the guys at MultiCoin they did the first, led the first three rounds on Solana, and they're still holding right? Like exactly. they, they, not to, to their credit. Like you can be mad that they've quote unquote made all the money, but they could have sold out and dumped at any point along the way and had real conviction from the very beginning. You're talking about people who bought this thing at like five cents and 20 exactly. cents. That's what and, kills
1: me about the whole thing is that they're literally holding it. Like they're literally holding it. Um, if anything, it makes sense to have some VC capital in some of these protocols. um, because they're the, you know, the VCs are used to getting returns seven to 10 years later. So, you know, you don't want flippers. You don't want a ton of volatility. Like sell some, you know, sell five, 10% um, to some great VCs like MultiCoin. Um, and, and, you know, but I wouldn't sell 75%, right? I think, yeah. no,
0: it's yeah. also that the whole argument you touched on the risk, obviously, it's also dismissive of like the fact that nine out of the 10 things you might invest in could go to zero, right? And (laughs) you could lose and and you could lose all your all your money. The other side of it, I think that is totally missed by uh, some of the people who are making those arguments. First of all, there's a few. One is that that's not something that's inherent to web three. It's just the way money is raised because of who's allowed to invest in things in the United States, right? I mean, there's accreditation laws, the little guy can't invest in anything. So this isn't a problem with venture capital in web three. It's a problem with if a company wants to raise money in any sector, they can only go raise it from venture capital, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 put yourselves in the shoes of the founder and the founding team, like they have this vision, they want to see this being built. Um, for us to say like you know poo poo like you can't go to vcs and vcs are bad completely i think is is indicative of you know how the media is today where it's very like polarizing one size versus you know uh, gary v said on our uh, on our podcast uh where it happens he he said something really i the, i like this quote he said you know it's very it's very much fingers not thumbs um people against people and not like being positive. And I think that's that's what we're seeing a lot of.
0: Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. The other part that, that really drives me nuts is that you have this idea that VCs are the ones who are like getting fat and making all the money, which is utterly dismissive of the actual benefits of these platforms to your average person, right? I mean, I use Google every day. I don't care who got rich by being an early investor in Google. I just care that Google improves my life, right? It makes uh, access to information easier. So like, I, I the, the whole point here is that Web3 or whatever these innovations are, are an improvement in the everyday lives of the people that use them, which has literally nothing to do with who funded it.
1: Yes, and I, I completely agree. And to me, what I care about is are these communities, safe communities, inclusive communities, um, are we, you know, reducing the environmental impact of, of some of these transactions? Um, how do we, how do we think about um, security and privacy um, and making sure that that's super, you know, simple and, and, and how do we just yeah, how do we make it easier for people to onboard to some of these communities, protocols, et cetera? Um, that's what I care about, you know, how we get there um in terms of like do vc's own 30% or 20% or 15% or 5% um i don't think is the major problem right now
0: yeah i, I agree so zooming out uh taking a sort of a wide view on it why does web3 matter where is web3 improving our lives on a day-to-day basis or where where will it when it really comes to fruition
1: so yeah we talked a little bit about um you know where i come from so You know, I grew up like one of those nerds. I can get the vibe that you also nerded out on some stuff because you're into music, I know, for for a fact. Um, And I'm one of those people that, like, I'll get really into, like, Colombian coffee and this, like, particular, like, region. And then, like, I'll go into the subreddit and, like, I'll know everything about it and... um, Or a particular car. And, you know, I just, like, get really deep into it. And my whole life, I've been building internet communities... Um, starting just like, not as a, you know, as a, as a, not to make a living, but as just because it was, I love bringing people together and I love nerding out. I think what, you know, if you, you know, today, I think what excites me about web three is, um, what we can do is a few things, um, to kind of supercharge what I had been doing for the last 15 or 17 years, which is like incentivizing people, um, to contribute, um and coordinate which is really difficult uh if you have hundreds of thousands tens of thousands of people getting people to coordinate and getting them to contribute and incentivizing them is you know one of the hardest problems of our day and you know if we can get people to do good things uh, um you know solve the climate crisis you know get plastic out of water um you know stick it to the banks and create like great you know great products uh financial products for people um i i believe that you know that's a huge that's where the internet should have been in in, you know in the 90s and so i'm excited that we're finally getting there um and that and i just think that it we're just scratching the surface of of kind of what what that's going to be
0: so for you as a, I a mean, community builder, like you said, that's literally what you do for a living. How do you identify, I guess, the projects and ideas that are worthy of a good community and decide that that's where you want to build? Because I think with anything like the dot-com bubble of the nineties, whatever you sort of have this flood of entrepreneurs, innovators, and 95% of them are going to be bad ideas that fail, right? Which is totally fine when people come to a space and and try to innovate. And then you sort of have that 5% that, you know, rise out of it and become the most important companies of that genre or, or of that time. So how do you choose the right idea where you're going to focus on building that community when there's so many options?
1: The mistake a lot of entrepreneurs, Web3 entrepreneurs make is they'll go build a community, they'll go spend a lot of money building that, you know, product out, maybe it's an NFT community, maybe it's a social token, whatever. Um, They launch it and they aren't able to sustain a healthy, thriving community. I believe that, you know, if you want to start a Web3 community, the best place to start is to start a Web2 community. So like go start like a Discord, go start a WhatsApp, go start like an iMessage group, like really small and go like hone in on the mission and the raison d'etre of what you're doing. If you can't start a successful Web2 community um, that brings together around a mission, um, even if it's in Web2 land, like even if it's just a Discord with no collab land, it's not checking your wallet or even if it's just like a WhatsApp, then you're probably not going to make it in Web3 land. Um, So what I love to do is um, I love to pick um, untapped communities um, that have a strong reason to coordinate and come together and then create, you know, an aesthetic, a mission, a brand um, that speaks to them. Um, And uh, yeah, my hack often is just starting by uh, a Web2 community first.
0: That makes sense. I mean, it's very very clear that Discord and Telegram groups and such are still wildly popular and useful. And certainly I can speak for the crypto space, right? That's where everybody is interacting. So it would make sense, I guess, to start there. But when you start, say, an NFT community around one of these sort of JPEG projects, I've always been sort of dismissive or at least skeptical of a lot of them. I understand why a CryptoPunk or a Bored Ape has value, but I don't understand why random alliterative uh, animal and, you know, ad- adjective <laughs> pudgy penguin or uh, lazy lion, or, you know, uh, dismissive Dalmatian or whatever. I don't understand why those have value or why those communities are so passionate about those projects.
1: Well, I think, uh, their passion, you know, not speaking to those, you know, particular specifically, communities, but right. specifically, but I think, uh, there's tons of projects that the only thing that's bringing them together is making money and Price appreciation. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, exactly. I remember my dad telling me this and I don't know if it's something that he learned or it's like a quote, but he, I remember him saying, um, when it, when it rains, when it's sunny, they give you an umbrella and when it rains, they take the umbrella away. Yeah, that's
0: exactly accurate.
1: And that's how I feel, you know, as soon as people, you know, with these, some of these NFT communities, as soon as you know, the price appreciation, as soon as they stop going up in value, all of a sudden, like the the reason to be there is, is no longer. And it's going to be like a graveyard of animals. <laughs> um, You know, it's going to be and uh, like Noah's Ark is only going to be a few animals.
0: Everybody in cryptocurrency already knows about Hedera Hashgraph. It's one of the fastest, most secure and trusted networks on the planet. But what they might not know about is the h Bar Foundation with a budget of 2.5 billion dollars already. They are funding entrepreneurs and projects that want to build on their blockchain and build within the ecosystem. Absolutely incredible. And they're not only giving them funding, they're actually helping them to develop it and then to get the word out as well. You guys should check out the HBAR Foundation and what Hedera Hashgraph is doing. You can do all of that at thewolfofallstreets.link slash HBAR. That is link slash HBAR. Do it now. Have you ever been trading crypto and during bouts of high volatility had your exchange go completely offline or seen the order books go thin and have absolutely no liquidity for your trade? I know that you have. It's happened to every single crypto trader, but it's not an issue anymore. Thanks to Bullish. Bullish is a powerful new exchange for digital assets that offers deep liquidity, automated market making and industry leading security. Combining the innovations of DeFi with the regulated environment of traditional finance, Bullish empowers users to trade with confidence across variable market conditions while secure in a regulated environment that's backed by multi-billion dollar liquidity contributions from the Bullish Treasury. Follow at Bullish on Twitter or visit thewolfofallstreets.link slash Bullish to learn more. Not investment advice, digital assets, and cryptocurrencies are high-risk products. Consult your professional advisor before dealing in them. Bullish services are available in select locations only and not to U.S. persons. Visit the slash bullish for important information and risk warnings. Yeah, not, not two of every single project that ever existed. And that's exactly my take on it. And people get pretty angry at me when I say that sometimes. When I say, listen, the only reason you're passionate about this asset or this community is because the price keeps going up. And like, you're not going to be your turtle and your turtle's not going to be you and you're not going to sleep with a picture of it at night if it goes to zero. You're going to move on to something else where you can make money, right? And you're going to probably feel pretty embarrassed. But so how do you build a community that is not there for price appreciation, even if they believe that they're not, by the way, and is genuinely there for a purpose, even if, you know, the price went down?
1: Yeah, I think there's a few things that, you know, people should look into. The first is, don't cookie cut do don't do any cookie cutter projects period like don't just take a you know a zebra and make it a, a raccoon um, because the staying power is, is is not very good there if you're going to create an nft project think about what am i adding to the space not subtracting so that's the first thing so and i'll give actually i'll give an example of that like i mean uh let's just say, you know, with Dom Hoff, uh, Dom, who created the, uh, the Loot Project co-founder of Vine, like his whole, that whole project, which is like, for those of you who don't know, it's like black background and like white text like that, you know, was completely new. No one had ever done an artist like that. And the fact that these, uh, these, they call them loot bags. There's basically text of like different RPG uh, role-playing game, um, you know, Character stuff, so like slippers and gauntlets and stuff like that, and you and people are actually building games on top of it. Like that concept was new. He added something to the space. So think about how do you add something to the space is the is the number one thing, and the second thing would be, before you create something, think about what community you're going after. So like, you know, I don't know how this project in particular is do, doing, and this isn't advice or anything like that, not financial advice, but like crypto dads. Like that's a community, like you're a crypto dad. So yeah. you might have some something in common with these other dads. And um, if they actually, you know, go and create a roadmap around bringing you guys together and maybe like partnering with like Linkstow, who's buying a golf course and doing these all, you know, all these other things like that's a project that I can get behind. Um, so, yeah. Those two things.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredibly cool and accurate. But I guess to play devil's advocate, like, I don't know, I've been finding people that I like with no financial incentive my entire life and have groups of friends and we go play golf without having to have like, you know, crypto or uh, uh, I guess a community behind it. So I guess like what really makes, takes it from like me and my buddies to, I want to go meet 500 strangers at a golf course that we just bought together with a Dow and play golf, you know?
1: Yeah. There has to be some, you know, deep utility that's bringing you together. Like the, um, someone asked me the the other day, they were like, you know, I'm sure you get this too. Like, Oh, just a JPEG. It's just a JPEG. And the, you know, analogy I was using is like the other day I was at, SO House in Miami. And SO House, which is like, you know, I don't know, three, four, $500 a month is just a piece of plastic if you think about it. But, you know, it's a card that gets you into a space, but it's the space and the experience of the space, which, you know, makes them a multi-billion dollar company. So I think that the only projects that are going to survive are the projects that have that deep utility, have that space. And the projects that the only reason like community isn't enough it needs there needs to be utility to your point you know there you know i think um community plus utility um plus a strong mission um are some of the ingredients for uh you know making a great project
0: right now, as i mentioned at the you've done this for some of the biggest and most successful communities that exist, but then you decided to start your own company, correct? Late Checkout. So what exactly are you guys doing and why did you decide to do that when obviously you could continue uh, on the path you were on before?
1: Honestly, because it's fun. Um, I'm optimizing for fun. Uh, Late Checkout is a thesis-driven holding company that believes community-based products outperform non-community-based products. And we've set up three business units we have a fund that invests and acquires community-based products. We have a studio that incubates our own, you know, NFT projects, Web three project, community-based products, and then we have an agency, which is one of the leading, you know, community-first, community-based products, Web three agencies in the world, and we help some of these brands transition to uh, to this new world we live in. And you know, I think there's tons of brands that have such incredible IP that if we uh, In a non cash grabby way, actually create uh, utility, community, mission. Um, There's tons of ways that we can include digital assets um, to leverage and unleash uh, some of that IP.
0: Speaking of IP, one of the biggest companies in the world, Walmart, right, just announced, uh, I believe they filed seven applications, this massive push towards Metaverse, NFTs, and even potentially like a Walmart coin, I guess, their own cryptocurrency. Is it realistic that the biggest brands in the world are going to be able to leverage this properly without it looking like a cash grab, as you just said? Will there be a, Will you walk into Walmart in the Metaverse somewhere and have some rep, replicated shopping experience and go buy your goods there? Or is that not what people want out of Web3?
1: I don't think people want to like throw and initially, at least I, I don't you know, there's that video of like, I think a lot of us have seen it of like picking wine. Uh, maybe it's at a Walmart and, and it's like, honestly, no, you know, like, I, I think like, we're not there yet. And as much as like Zuck, etc, you know, are trying to push that vision. Um, I just don't think we're there yet. And I think that the, the most successful brands that go from web two to web three are the are the ones that are going to do progressive decentralization, do progressive web three, um, and, and just do it slowly. Like, just like, you know, I was having a conversation this morning with a Fortune 100 brand and they have this whole idea of doing like, putting their whole loyalty program on, on um, you know, crypto and, and doing, you know, a hundred thousand NFT project and like spending $20 million in TV ads. And I was just like, how about you just get one, you know, do $1 of on-chain revenue. How about you just reward 50 of your biggest customers and start there? And I think what's going to end up happening is unfortunately, a lot of these brands are going to look like it's cash grab and it's going to actually make the space look not favorable. Um, but I do think you're gonna see some brands who are gonna do a really elegant um, and powerful way to reward reward customers. And uh, it's probably over the, you know, you're gonna start seeing this over the next twelve to eighteen months.
0: Are there any brands, large brands, not communities that are being built in web three, but people going from you know web two to web three or even just mainstream like size of Walmart or luxury brands? Who you think are doing it in an elegant way already and could win?
1: I mean, it's really early. I think like what I what I like about um, you know the McDonald you know McDonald's of the world is like they had a small project. You know they were you know McRibs. um, I think NFTs. And what I'd like about that is it's pure. Um, You know, it's a really pure. uh, Like McRib is kind of like the most hilarious mcdonald's thing right like people saw that shakes and mcribs right exactly exactly so like that's funny and that's noteworthy and and i love that um had a conversation um with billy who is the uh co-founder of dogecoin uh the other day and uh he was saying how we were you know we're just talking about why dogecoin works and he worked and he was just basically like he basically said, I understand the memes and I built the memes and I do pure memes. And because of that purity, my memes work. So I think the brands that keep it pure, um, for a particular target audience are the ones that are going to win. And there's going to be some cringe stuff that's going to come out. Unfortunately. Yeah. That's interesting.
0: Cause it's almost like the brand has to not take itself seriously and do something slightly self-deprecating. That's a meme. To be able to exist in this Web3 world where memes rule, that's not going to align with 99% of the people that try.
1: I, I ran an agency in and like 2007 or something um, when it was the shift from web to social. And we talked to a lot of uh, brands who were thinking about the move to social, like creating a Facebook page, creating like a blog with comments, live streaming. Um, all these things and the biggest brands at the time, like we often forget, but they were like, Oh my God, having our community, like giving them the ability to like talk back to us, they're going to say bad things. We can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Like we we take it all for granted. We take it all for granted. And, um, certain brands did a good job. Certain brands did an okay job and certain brands didn't even try until later, Um, But I think, you know, the lesson I have for that is, you know, in Web3 land, um, I think the brands that really, really didn't take themselves too seriously understood how to create healthy conversation, but poke fun, um, think about virality, um, you know, bringing in the community. I think those are the ones that won, And I think the same thing is going to be true. We can basically apply a lot of those lessons. From social to, to Web3.
0: Right. And I mean, you know, if you look at the biggest companies in the world in the mid 90s or even the early 2000s, like none of them are there anymore.
1: Right. right.
0: Uh, they sort of, you know, the the great analogy of like they were the blockbusters and then Netflix came out, they've been sort of replaced. They weren't ready for mobile. They weren't ready for Web2. Is are we seeing that level of paradigm shift here? Do you think where even You know, the biggest Facebook's obviously already identified this as the move that they need to make, whether successful or not. Do you think that the, even the Googles and the other companies that are the biggest in Web2 could now find themselves obsolete with Web3 competitors coming in?
1: Yes. And I know this because some of those Web2 companies have reached out to me (laughs) and are like very scared. And it's like a tone of like, what do we do? You know, for the, we felt, we felt so confident. We understood the playbook. There was a playbook. And now what is the playbook?
0: But like even and, a year, like six months ago, it's yes. not, this happened so fast.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, not cool. If you're, you know, VP product at one of the, you know, or chief product officer or CEO, even of some of these companies, you need to have a, you need to have a plan. Yeah.
0: So it seems like these Walmarts of the world and a lot of these are completely reactive to Facebook's move. That's my yeah. feeling. I don't know if that's accurate, but I feel like Facebook being one of the biggest companies in the world had this surprise move to rebrand to meta and, and go all in on the metaverse. And now you just have a bunch of people trying to figure out a way to do something and not get fired.
1: <laughs> like, exactly. I need to go to my
0: boss. I need to go to my boss with a Web3 plan, whatever this Web3 thing is. And we got to make it happen. That's how it feels to me.
1: But wasn't that the same with like, I need to get to my boss with, you know, mobile, social. Yeah, a social lab. plan. Yeah, sure. yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, and, but most of those failed. and I'm curious if you have thoughts then on what the next iteration of social media is, because social media is largely dominates Web 2, right? I don't know if that feels that way. You know, the, the Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikToks, are they going to also have to somehow find a Web 3 plan? Like, what's the next, next iteration of social?
1: I mean, I think that the large platforms will eventually, um, eventually, s- surrender to Web three in some capacity or another. Either they create protocols that people, you know, build upon, or they, you know, ultimately get extinct. I'm talking. I'm not talking about five years from now. I'm talking about like it's probably going to take a long time um, because network effects in so you know in all businesses actually are so strong. Um, but I believe that, uh, you know, a lot of these large platforms are, are thinking about integrating Web3 and, and making it, a, a, you know, they're taking baby steps. Let's see if they actually take leaps. Right.
0: But, you know, I, I often make the uh, hot take that MySpace was the greatest social media platform of all time. <laughs> and Friendster before that was actually kind of amazing. And people forget that that even existed. But, I mean, MySpace died hard and fast right and it and it was dominant i mean myspace seemed to rule the entire world and a year later was non-existent right is that is that could that happen
1: i started a social a social app in 2016 it was like a discord competitor uh focused really on college campuses and we raised a few million dollars but it was really like the The nuclear winter of social like it really no one was raising money for or doing much in terms of competing with uh the holy trinity at the time you know um facebook and and snap and 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 google and and, you know in some respects. so um i think that if you're you know you're listening to this and you're thinking about create you know do i create a social consumer social web 3 product i think like now is the time, you know. Like there's so much funding for it, there's so much action for it, there's a lot of demand, there's some cool stuff coming out. Um, I invested in a company called MetaLink. Um, I don't know if you've seen that, but it's an NFT. It's basically like a web three version of Discord, um, natively. Um, and there's a bunch of products. Um, you know, Rainbows doing some cool stuff and a little bit in terms of social. But yeah, I think uh good time to be building social. Um and, uh, you know, the, I think the thing to think about if you're building it is, how do you create something that isn't just, you know, Facebook is just going to, you know, grab that feature, like NFT verification, like that's going to be table stakes, right? You have to be thinking five years, 10 years ahead. Uh,
0: yeah, I remember uh, having an argument with my friends and my wife's a social media expert and I was like, Snapchat has killed Instagram, Instagram's dead. And then like... Five days later, stories, right? Or, or like yeah. Clubhouse, so amazing. Nope, Twitter's gonna crush that in five minutes, right? To your point is that if you just create something that could be a feature on a larger platform, you're, you're toast. But maybe then the move isn't to try to reinvent the wheel, obviously, but to do something more decentralized. I've heard a lot yes. of CEOs starting to talk about decentralized social media. Nobody's gotten very specific as to what that looks like. But even you said, you know, the the company's moving to Web three, that decentralized slowly will probably win. Walmart's not going to decentralize, right? <laughs> like, yeah. And so is, is there going to be a huge wave of pushback against more centralized platforms in favor of the few that may be successful at decentralization?
1: Yes, there's going to be more and more pushback, um, especially as, you know, I believe there's going to be more and more hacks, uh, you know, in these, you know, big platforms like Facebook. So, you know, you'll lose you'll lose some of your data or it'll show up on the internet and you'll be upset. Um, and because of that, you'll look, you know, a lot of people will look for decentralized versions of these, of these products. So I think that's a trend that's definitely happening. Um, I think we've seen a lot of decentralized Twitter's decentralized Facebook, like basically decentralized versions of a lot of these social products over the last, maybe even five years, uh, maybe even more now. Um, And I just don't I don't think the decentralized version of Twitter is the thing that's going to win. Basically, I think that it needs to be decentralized, but you also need to come up with a new format
0: Has to be different.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it has to be different. Like Clubhouse was cool because it was like at the time it was like new format. This is cool. This is fun. I can't get this anywhere else. We need that plus decentralization. That is what's going to win.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of like, you know, you rebrand your company to Long Island blockchain iced tea and all of a sudden you're, it goes up because you put crypto in it when the name crypto, right? So maybe decentralization, you just, the first iterations will be people attempting to decentralize everything without innovating really at all, right? Exactly. And I think that that's actually what a lot of DAOs look like in their sort of infancy right now. I mean, I know right, that you're I focused agree. on that space, but you know, like, let's do this, but democratically. Right. And I don't think that that's, what's going to win. I'm curious to hear your opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. It's not, it's, it's not going to win. And, and I think, uh, we're already starting to see it. Um, we're starting to see it. And I think what's cool about the state of where we are with, you know, web three product building, web three community building, uh, web three growth and your acquisition is, um, we, we may have not created the playbook yet, but I think we've created a few pages in the playbook, at least. Like, we're starting to write the playbook. Um, so, uh, it's it's great and it's exciting because it gives entrepreneurs, like, you know, a reference point, um, which also allows for, in my opinion, better products to build.
0: That makes sense. So, in a in a perfect world, let's say that there's a Web3 sort of revolution and let's pretend that the blockchains underlying can actually scale to the point of mainstream adoption because they can't right now. Let's pretend that, though. What does the world look like in five years, ideally, if you've built it?
1: In five years, you own, you own your content, first and foremost. Um, the relationship you have with the people you care about and the brands you care about and the communities that matter to you are deeper, and you have a deeper place to foster those connections. Um, you work three to four jobs realistically. Um, you know, you do some bounties for some DAOs. You contribute here. You contribute there. You, you know, while you're waiting in line for coffee, you you fill your gap time by playing, you know, a mobile a mobile play to earn game. Um, and and i think more people are artists more people are creators um you know and i think it starts younger i think we're going to see like you know 13 year olds 12 year olds 11 year olds 15 year olds like making serious bank um because they just understand uh that world um and they understand the trends and The tools for actually going and creating a lot of these communities and products are going to be no code. So they'll be able to just do it and put it together like a Lego set.
0: So you think the next generation skips college and and jobs? I mean, obviously people are going to need to be doctors and lawyers, but like your average person who was maybe like myself going to college to find themselves and get a well-rounded liberal arts education and figure it out. Maybe you've figured it out already when you're 13.
1: Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think, listen, there's always the, the cool part about college is the whole social experience, you know, social experience, or to your point, like if you do want to like be a doctor or lawyer, but I think, um, the, what is out there on the internet, not just in terms of, you know, in web two land, it was just like information and web three land. It's about like, you can really like make a livelihood, um, I think is just going to be so attractive that um, it's going to be hard for your, yeah, it's going to be hard to go to school when you're 18. Like, good luck competing with that, you right. know? Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Like, uh, let me go pay a million dollars probably by then to, like, get an <laughs> Ivy League education or go get really good at a video game and make millions of dollars.
1: Yeah, Seems like I mean,
0: uh, a teenager is going to have a pretty clear choice there if they, if they can do it.
1: Totally. And you know, I think us as parents, I think will understand it. Um, I mean, I certainly will. You, you know, I I dropped out of college. I think you did. You finish?
0: I finished. Yeah, I finished. I didn't do anything with it, but I finished.
1: You finished? I mean, I'm not going to ask you for your GPA or anything, but
0: low threes ish.
1: You know, I not, mean, above
0: not not stellar, but I made it. You know, okay. I I could have tried harder. <laughs> But like, yeah, I was and I was there to, you know, to I really I I never intended to use my GPA to get a job and to become a lawyer, get into graduate school. You know, I knew kind of always that I was going to do music or create something or find my own way. So I wasn't that passionate about the school side of it.
1: For me, I grew up in in Montreal, Canada. And if you're not Basically, the history there is most of the big jobs when I grew up moved to Toronto from Montreal. And so when I grew up, I knew that a degree wasn't going to get me a job because there were no jobs. There was very little jobs. So growing up, I was just like, okay, I'm just going to spend a lot of time on the internet. You know, like the internet is my access. And I think now you have access, but you also have real livelihood. Um, and the tools that, you know, all of us are going to have not just children, but also like, I'm really interested in like retirees. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like,
0: I mean, anyone with time and, and motivation will be able to find a way. I I
1: believe.
0: Yeah. And so, yeah, it's going to be a completely new world before we get done. I want to also ask about the podcast that you do with my good friend, Sahil Bloom. You guys started that recently. Uh, tell me why you decided to do that and how that's going.
1: Well, first of all, thanks for coming on. We're, uh, we're throwing, you know, I, don't know, I think your episode's coming out soon. So for those listening, maybe you subscribe to our YouTube channel, where it happens, youtube.com slash where it happens. And you could subscribe to see your favorite Scott on there. What up? I'm the
0: best, the best Scott. Yeah.
1: The best Scott, <laughs> the best Scott. Exactly. So, you know, we felt, um, a lot of the podcasts today were, We're very, like, uh, kind of one way. Uh, It was, like, one way to the audience. So we created a Discord. There's about 3,500, 4,000 people in it. And we basically just hang out with our Discord. We ask them questions. Um, We interact. We talk about, like, NFTs. We talk about Web3. We talk about building. Um, And then we take some of those ideas. And then we invite our guests like you to hang out and chat on video, mostly. Um, And uh, so far, so good.
0: Yeah, I love doing it. It was it was a lot of fun and uh, definitely made me even rethink the way that I do my show. I was like, I need to be on a couch in Miami and this needs to be much more casual. And, you know, for, for
1: well, sure. I like I like your uh, your whole your vibe and how like your frequency of how much you do it, because um, that makes me I'm just like an audience member. Like I, I feel connected to you in that sense. I
0: love that. I, I definitely feel like this is the greatest job in the world and I would do it every day if I could. You get to call, you know, call someone smarter than you who has a, you know, deep knowledge of a topic and they'll spend an hour with you that you can't, you know, speaking of college, couldn't pay for that if your life depended on it, right? You get a, you get a free college course in whatever topic you want for an hour, anytime. You know, To me, that's the most valuable experience you could possibly have. So I thank you for coming on. When, when Where can people uh, follow you, check out the podcast, check out what you're doing after this?
1: Uh, Twitter, I guess, at Greg Eisenberg uh, is my Twitter. And uh, and then the pod, just go to trwh.com, our website, or you can go to YouTube. Like I said, youtube.com slash, I think it's where it happens. Um, but yeah, you'll see it around
0: amazing well i can't wait to uh live in the metaverse with you and uh hang out there and see what we can build
1: to- totally we'll just have to recreate florida in the metaverse that's
0: inevitable man thank you once again for coming on
1: thanks man i appreciate it